Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, we're so glad you're joining us this week. This is the Messy Walk Podcast. I am your host, Steph, here with Pastor Adam. Hey, hey, I'm here too. Hey everyone. What's up? What's up? (laughs) We are on episode 126, and this is number five in our series, Things I Wish I Would Have Known When I Started Following Jesus. And last week we talked about you are not alone in your struggles. That's episode 125. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Um, I don't know. We just finished it a few minutes ago, but uh, (laughs) I think it was good. We just talked through the fact that um, how desperate we all need community with other people, and we talked through some of those things and the fact that no matter how people, and especially Christians, and especially on Sunday mornings, how they pretend to be or how they look, that they struggle, and that we all pretty much struggle with the same stuff, and you're not mm-hmm. alone in that. And um, and then we also talked about your our own responsibility to fight, to um, have community, yeah, right, to have mm-hmm. relationships, to have people to talk to, and, and and that it can't just be on other people to initiate that. Like it's more than likely going to be on you to initiate those things, and so. I found that one personally very helpful. That's one. So out of all this list of things I wish I'd have known when I first started following Jesus, that one's probably out of the whole list been the one that's been the most recent trouble for me Mm -hmm. um, of realizing and thinking that I'm alone in my struggles, right? Um, And I wish that somebody would have told me that earlier. And I have found out recently that I, I like for people to, I like to realize that there's other people in the same boat that I'm in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. It's and, nice to feel like someone understands where you're coming from. Yeah. Because when you when you when the struggle becomes something, whatever the struggle is, when the struggle becomes something that other people struggle with, you realize you're not by yourself. But there's power in that as Christ followers because then you can attack these things. You can do these things together. And then if somebody's having victory in it, in that similar struggle, then that means that you can too. You know what I mean? So that's what we hit last week. And this week, it's number 126. This is number five. And this is a big one. And we're going to leave you a little different at the end of this one. Um, But, Stephanie, what is today's that we wish somebody would have told us? The devil is real. The devil is real. Basic, straight to the point. The devil, the enemy, uh, Satan, whatever word you want to use, we're using the word the devil, mm-hmm. is real. I wish someone would have told me when I was younger, I wish I would have understood this. I wish I would have known um, when I first started following Jesus that the devil is real, that his minions are real, that spiritual warfare is a real thing. Yeah. Um, in my young mind, and, and I don't just mean mine, I think in, a lot, in all of ours, the devil is like a Halloween character. He's like a cartoon character rather than this supernatural enemy that's against God's people. Like when we say the devil, we get this image in our head of um, little ears or horns or whatever it is he's got. And he's dressed in red, looking all funky, and he's got a tail and he's got a pitchfork, right? That's, that becomes our imagery. Um, that's what we think of when we when think he of enemies. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's this, it's this, um, Halloween character, this this cartoon, right? And it almost has this figment of our imagination feel to it, um, rather than 
who the enemy really is, which is a supernatural being, a supernatural enemy who walks back and forth. I don't have time to go into all this stuff, but walks back and forth between the heavenly realm and the earthly realm constantly. The scripture tells us this, who is a, who is waging war against God and against the people of God and anything having to do with God. Um, because I didn't recognize the reality of the enemy I thought I could win all spiritual battles of my own power. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Because I didn't realize the power of the enemy. And so um, prayer was not that important because I could just I could just defeat the battles that I was having uh, with my own personal strength, right? Or with, with new habits or whatever yeah. it may be, right? Or with the fortitude of my mind. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, so prayer wasn't that important. And cries, like crying out from our soul for the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit was non existent because I didn't need that because I didn't realize that there was this massive supernatural battle happening. And so what was really going on, and I think this might be the case with a lot of people, is if we don't realize that the enemy is real, we are losing a war that we didn't even know existed. Like we're losing a war that we don't even realize is actually waging around us right now. And so where we've got to start with this, and we're going to leave you on your own at the end of this episode on purpose to sort of process on your own, do a little bit of your own research through the scriptures and through trusted sites and those kind of things to figure out the reality of this battle of spiritual warfare. We've talked about this some on the podcast before. Um, We're probably going to do a series at some point specifically on this again. We'll bring it back up again. Um, But I just want to start with making sure that we all realize that the enemy is real um, and his powers are real. So I want Steph to read um, 1 John chapter 3, the last part of verse 8. You can read all of verse 8 if you want to, and then we'll focus in on just the last part. What version are you reading? ESV? Yeah, ESV. ESV. This is pretty much the same through all translations, by the way. So this is one of those particular scriptures that's almost translated the exact same way in all of them. That's also because it's in First John, which is a little bit older of a letter. So the translations are pretty standard on this. So if, you're, if you end up checking this out on NIV or anything else, this part I'm going to reference is almost word for word the exact same. So just read. This is First John chapter 3. We'll read that. We'll focus on the second part of verse eight, but you can read whatever. We'll do the whole verse, yeah, and then we'll focus on the second. So, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's a big statement. Second part: the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So, you get right here in First John. John is telling you the whole reason Jesus came to begin with was to destroy the works of the enemy. First off, that means the enemy is real. But listen to that statement. He comes to destroy the works of the enemy. Jesus came to destroy something. That's what he came to do. That's his primary purpose. And and if you watch, you'll go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought Jesus came to save, right? I thought Jesus came to bring peace. I thought Jesus came to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, he, how would he be coming to destroy something? So, so here's what I want to make sure you understand. To say that Jesus wants to save assumes that something was holding us captive, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, what's he saving then? Who's he saving? What's he saving? You got to be, sa- be saved from something, 
And so to say that Jesus came to save assumes that something was, somebody was, we were being held captive by something. To say that Jesus is coming to bring peace suggests that there was a killer of peace, that there was somebody robbing, something robbing peace, right? Which is why he would need to bring it, why he would need to institute, why he would need to be it. To say that Jesus came to heal says there was something that was killing you and me that he had to remove, that he had to kill itself so that you and I could be healed. So you need to get the picture. Like it required uh, destruction to bring liberation. It required the destroying of the works of the enemy, who obviously is real. It required destroying the works of the enemy so that we could be freed. Does that make any sense? You know what I mean? So the New Testament asserts over and over and over again. I mean, it's all through there, uh, including the Gospels, which which I pay the most attention to. Right? Mm-hmm. I pay the most attention to the eyewitness accounts of Jesus and the words of Jesus, right? It's not that I'm, I'm not disregarding the rest of the Bible. I'm just saying that I pay a lot of attention to what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Um, the New Testament asserts that there is a war, that there is a battle going on with the devil. And you may be thinking, I don't know. That sounds kind of Middle Ages or sounds kind of weird. It sounds like the weird side of Christianity. And I'm just telling you that that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, which means the works of the enemy are real. And if the works of the enemy are real, that means that the enemy is the real deal. That spiritual warfare is for real. And it is far deeper reaching than anything you could ever know. We have no idea the amount of effort and time that the enemy goes through to derail God's people constantly. There's this real battle that's happening all the time. If you don't buy into the fact that there's a real battle, um, then what you have to do, go with me, this is going to be kind of deep. Um, If you don't buy into that there's a real battle, what you have to do is you have to construct some sort of philosophical system that gives you sufficient answers for how something as beautiful as humanity can do the horrible things that we do to each other, mm-hmm. right? If you don't believe in the fact that the enemy's real, you got to come up with some sort of philosophical system that explains why in the world the beautifulness of humanity can do the nasty, atrocious things that we do to each other all the time. Like if you don't buy into the fact that the enemy is real and that there's a war going on, then you got to find a way to make sense of Nazi Germany. You got to find a way to make sense of what happened in China. You got to find a way to make sense of, like, go back to Nazi Germany for a minute, like one and a half million people being exterminated. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do with that then if you don't believe that there is a literal spiritual battle happening? You got to come up with some sort of idea that says, you know, this is what's going on. Um, that, that uh, one and a half million people are killed by the most educated nation on the planet at the time, right? So it's, it's education's not going to fix it. It's not like what's the construct here that you have to create? Um, there's something wrong with this world. Yeah, like human trafficking too. Human trafficking, yeah. perfect example. Mm-hmm. Like, um, child pornography, right? I mean, what's, if you don't believe that there's a, there's a evil battle happening and an evil force – then what do you do with that? How do you explain that the most advanced society that we're aware of that's ever existed, like 2023 humans, um, mm-hmm. 
who have, I mean, what we have done technologically is insane. Um, The amount of things that we have now to be able to curb these things is amazing, and yet it's still happening at a crazy rate, right? Exploitation, yeah. What do you do with that? You've got to create some sort of system then if you don't believe that the enemy is real. There's something wrong with this world. There is a sickness that pervades us all. And the Bible says, gives you an answer. The Bible says there is one person behind all of it. All that sickness, all that death, all that destruction, it is orchestrated. And so what 1 John 3, 8 tells you is that Jesus came to destroy Satan's work. The enemy is real, folks, in your life. And if you don't believe that today, then you go ahead and try to give me something then. Give me some reason to explain the things that we do to each other. Um, if it's not, if it's not an evil force at work, um, how do you explain it? That's right. How do you take, how do you take people, how do you explain that we're the most educated we've ever been? And yet, um, children, women are being exploited at a rate that is just astronomical. How do you explain it? It can't be that we're just barbarians and we haven't grown up enough into it because we're pretty advanced in just about everything else. And so what I wish somebody would have told me when I was younger is a real upfront, the devil is not the cartoon character you think he is. He is real. He is at work. He is trying his best. And what he's doing right now is he is throwing a haymaker. You know what a haymaker is? No. All right. So so (laughs) I probably should. A haymaker is a boxing term. Right, so it's a boxing term for a punch. It's like um, it's like the biggest, baddest, most awesome punch you could possibly throw. Right, like what's it look like? Going for like pull over from the side, like going as oh like, yeah, it's just okay. like an out of control biggest punch you can give. Right, yeah, okay, um, I've seen it. Like you're going for the knockout punch, right? And and the reason that the enemy is throwing everything he has at it is because he's already lost. So what Jesus did is he destroyed the work of the one on that cross. When he took his last breath and said, it is finished, that's what he was referring to. It, like that has, been, that has been squashed. He is dead. He is done. It's over. And so what the enemy's doing is he's playing, he's playing, from a, lo- he's playing a losing game. Right? He's already lost. Yeah. So you've got two things you can do when you've already lost. When you realize that you've lost, you've got two things you can do. You can quit or you can throw everything at it. Right, because you know you've lost, you know it's over with anyway, so you throw the haymaker. You throw everything at it, including the kitchen sink. Like you throw everything you can at it, and that's what the enemy's doing to the people of God because he knows that he's lost. Mm-hmm. And so it is a real battle, and he is coming at you all the time. And me and Steph were talking earlier, and we're not going to talk much more on this. We're going maybe a little bit, but I don't know. <laughs> but we're, we're going to kind of let it cliffhang a little bit. But... <sighs> The enemy knows that most people are not going to worship him, right? I mean, how many devil worshipers you know, Steph? Um, none. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could just like hear about it on TV or something. Right. I mean, I mean, you know personally, right? Like I have, I have been a ministry a long time, and I have only encountered like three people the whole time who've told me personally, like, I worship the devil, right? I mean, oh, talk, wow. I'm talking about like three, like. Even people who are completely against God, like the the enemy knows that he's not that he's not going to get you to worship the devil, like most people. 
He knows that he's not going to get you to worship him. So what's he going to do? He knows it, right? Mm -hmm. But he ain't got to get you to worship him. All he's got to do is get you to worship anything other than Jesus. Idols. Anything. Mm -hmm. All he's got to do is get you distracted from worshiping Jesus. Oh, and that's really easy to do. I mean, how easy is that? In today's times right now, look, listen to me. I just said this a couple weeks ago preaching, but I'm going to say it again. Distraction sends more people to hell than doubt does. Oh, that's good. Distraction sends more people to hell than doubt does. I mean, that's not good, but you know what I mean. That point you made is facts, you know. Most people, it ain't the doubts that do it. It's not. Distractions. It's distractions. It's that you you never give the weight of Jesus the question it deserves, ever. You never give it the weight it deserves. It's called apathy. It's called, eh, not that big a deal. It's not that important. You know, like, for example, if aliens are real— if there's a chance of aliens being real, right? We're about to go. We're about to sound like the Joe Rogan podcast now. But if, if there's a chance that aliens are real, if there's a chance that the aliens are out there and they're more advanced than us and they're going to suck our brains out or steal our music or whatever, don't you think that we should figure it out? Like, don't you think if if there's a chance aliens are real, don't you think we should give that question some weight? Like, we should look into it. Like, if there's a chance that they're real, don't you think we should have a government agency that's paying attention to alien threat? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, just random. We probably should pay attention to it. If there is a chance, if there's just a sliver of a chance that Jesus is real, it's the most important question we could ever pay attention to. That's right. Because it far outreaches aliens. Like, it, if there's a chance that – here we'll go a little more controversial – if there's a chance that global warming is real, right, if there's a chance, then don't you think we should probably pay attention to it? That's right. If there's a chance that the ocean is rising, um, don't you think we should pay attention to it? Right? We probably ought to. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's a chance that Jesus is real, then it, that question deserves all the weight that you could possibly put on it. Because that's dealing with your soul. Right, it's dealing with everything. Because if you believe that Jesus is real, like if there's a chance he's real, he says that we're all doomed without him, that we are all dead in our sins and trespasses, that you're not even alive right now if you're not in Jesus. Right? You, it, it's over. Mm-hmm. And that the only way, the only hope we've got is him. Is it. Because there's no other way for us to commune with a holy... This is what Jesus says. There's no other way for us to commune and be in relationship with a holy God um, in our unholy state, except for through a holy substitute. Right? That's it. And so if the question of Jesus is that is there any way possible that it's true, it deserves all the weight that we could give it. All right. of it. And so what the enemy does in real time is that he distracts you from giving that question the weight that it deserves. And it sends more people to hell than doubt ever will. Um, this is the real deal. The, the enemy is real. And he is fighting, and he is, knows he's in a losing battle. And so he does not have to get you to worship him. He just has to get you distracted or to get you to worship anything other than Jesus. That's all he's got to do. And it do. can be in the simplest things. I mean, everybody that I know of is minimally addicted to their phone. Yep. Everybody I know. It's it's like when you put it down, you're like, ah, oh, I'm going to put it down. And then suddenly, five seconds later, oh, i got to pick it up. It beeps, <laughs> you pick it up. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you're doing, no matter you can be in the most important thing ever. 
and that phone beeps, vibrates in your pocket, and within a few minutes, you're going to look at it, you know, for nothing. Like, most of the time, it's nothing. It's, it's not important at all. There's an addiction to it. When you, when you, this is how you know you're addicted to your phone. Me too, all right? Me too. Yeah, this everyone. set the tone, right? Mm-hmm. When you find yourself in a mindless moment, in a down moment, what do you do? Doom scroll. Yep. That's what you do. Why? Because it's a mindless moment, and in mindless moments, we fall back to things that make us comfortable, things that we are addicted to. What is everyone doing? Right. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. You ever heard that phrase? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Anybody who's in any sort of addiction recovery will tell you that downtime, idle time, is dangerous time because it makes you fall back into whatever it is in the moment that can just be mindless. And, that, and <clears throat> excuse me, that is the addiction. And so the fact that you and I, um, whenever we have mindless time, fool with the phone shows an addiction. The fact that you and I check it the first thing we do when we wake up shows that it's an addiction. It also shows that it's an idol. Yeah. Right? It shows that it's an idol. It shows that we're worshiping um, the idol that is our phone because the very first thing on our minds all the time is related to the phone. Um, and so all he's got to do is get you distracted. And in our day and time right now, it is extremely easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all he's got to do is get you to worship something else. And we're being distracted and worshiping the same device, the same yeah. thing, you know, and that's minimal. Like that's just a minimal thing. There's obviously plenty of other things that we all struggle with individually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish somebody will go back to the main, what we're trying to get at with this. Um, I wish somebody would have told me that spiritual warfare was real, that the devil was real, and that to to con- consistently fight against the idea that it's some distant, fictional, cartoon-looking character, um, it is real. And most of the battle that you'll fight from the enemy is not you walking into the room and somebody's head spinning around, right, or some sort of demon possession. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't exist. I'm just saying that's mostly not where you're going to fight. You're going to fight him working on every little intricate level of relationships and your self-esteem and everything else. Um, Valerie, not one. I, I didn't realize spiritual warfare was real. And then we'll wrap up. I didn't realize spiritual warfare was real until Union was maybe Union's our church was maybe I can't, I can't remember three or four years old, maybe five years old. And Valerie and I were fighting every single Saturday night. Every Saturday night, we were getting in these bad fights, these bad arguments about absolutely nothing. Because if you've been married before, you've been in a relationship before, you know that mostly what you fight about is nothing. It's stupid. Yeah, it's really stupid. It's just pity pity little things that don't make any sense. Um, Pity, that's the wrong word. I don't know what I was going for. Petty. There we go. Petty. (laughs) Petty, Petty, not pity. That's not the right word. Petty little things that don't make any sense. It's a little junk. We were fighting every Saturday night, every Saturday night, and we were rolling into, and we were we were like mad at each other when we went to bed, and we were rolling into Sunday morning. You know, this church that we had started, this move of God that we were a part of, right? We didn't do it; we were a part of it, and we were on different. We were on. We, it was like we were on different teams on Sunday mornings. You know, there was this division that was there, and it was every Saturday night, and I didn't pick up on this. Because my bride is way more spiritually mature than I am. And she said, 
one Sunday morning and one Saturday night, she said, Adam, this is spiritual warfare. This is the enemy trying to divide us. And she said something to me that I've never forgotten. She said, if the enemy can take down our marriage, he can take down this whole ship. The whole thing. That's a really good point. She was like, if he can take down our marriage, he can take down this entire move of God that's happening through a bunch of messy, jacked up people who are trying to seek Jesus or love God, love people, prove he can take down the whole thing if he takes down our marriage. Because what happens in a church when the marriage falls apart of the senior pastor? People get confused. Church is gone. Yeah. It's a, it's a death sentence. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it just is. Um, and, and people fall away from their faith, mm-hmm. right? Because they're like, what the crap? Why is this going? Looked Why up they? to them. Yeah. I mean, people walk away from all those things. I mean, and it's just true. And she was like, this is spiritual warfare. And I, I remember pushing her going, this is not. This is me and you being stupid. This is us not being able to figure this out. This is us not loving each other well enough or whatever. And it took me a while to grasp that she was correct. That's exactly what it was. And the enemy is working on levels like that all the time. You need to be you need to know as a Christ follower. So if you are new as a Christ follower or you're getting back into it or, you know, like I said in the beginning, maybe you're not a baby Christian, but you, you know, you were been a Christ follower for a while and you're just now getting serious, right? Mm-hmm. Um you need to know up front that there is a battle happening all around you, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, and the enemy's throwing everything he can own. And you need to grab that verse and remind yourself that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Don't trivialize what Jesus is doing and who he is in he came to save, he came to give peace. That means that something was something was holding us captive. That means that there was something destroying our peace, coming against it. Mm-hmm. That he came to heal means that something was killing us. And that force is still trying the best that he can, even though he's lost, because he's trying to derail you and anybody else who can come to Christ. This thing is real. Um, so I think what me and Steph are going to do is just sort of chill and let you um, think about it. Do your own thing. What do you think? Yeah. And I definitely want to encourage you, too, to look up Ephesians six twelve. Yes, that was a verse we talked about before. Mm-hmm. You want to read it? You want me to read it? Yeah, sure. let's read it. And then they can just you study it. Look, yeah. up, look up that part Meditate of Ephesians 6. Yep. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're not fighting each other. We are fighting the darkness. And it is real and it is around us all the time. Um, I don't think the Bible could be clearer. I don't think that the New Testament and Jesus could be clearer that there is a massive battle. So know that um, and have somebody tell you that this thing is real for sure. Yeah. And the devil's not causing everything that bad that happens to you. You can't blame him for everything. Half the time that stuff's your fault, but he is using every bit of it in every possible way he can. Like, did he cause you to have that flat tire? Probably not. But... Did he use that to make you um, act like and feel like that that um, um, that the, the day is going to be horrible and that there's no blessings and to focus on that negative thing? You better believe it, right? That's right. You better believe yep. it. And he'll use it. So anyway, that's it. That's all we got. Um, follow us on all the junk, on all the stuff. Instagram, Facebook. Yep. And I'll let Stephanie take us out of here. All right. We're so glad you joined us today. Um, we look forward to joining you again next week.
We'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.